This week's episode is made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Good morning, Memphis. This is Meanwhile in Memphis on WYXR, and we are excited to bring you another installment of our favorite things from 2022. And I have a very special guest with me in the studio. Say hello. Hello. I would sing. These are a few of my favorite things if I could sing, but I will spare you from that, dear listener. Oh, sad, dear listener. But it's me, Erin Wendell. Erin Wendell, my work (laughs) wife. She has joined me in the studio today um, and she has come prepared to talk about one of her favorite episodes. Notice I said one of, she had quite a many um, as she is an avid listener, which I do appreciate. And... So tell us a little bit about the episode that you decided on. Yes. After a very tough narrowing down, like you said, I had a whole list. I gave you of favorites. I chose Chill Mode with Esso Tolson that aired way back in April. Yes. Um, Because I think as I think about being in the holiday season and the hustle and bustle, uh, I thought it was a good reminder for me and others, everything Esso has to say about Chill Mode, like... Memphis is a grit and grind culture and the holidays in particular, I feel like you can kind of get caught up in the, the rushing around. Um, and so finding time to chill, to appreciate, to give thanks, um, really resonated. And I think selfishly, a lot of what he talks about in both his Ted talk and in that podcast episode also relates to the program that I have the privilege of running. Like, okay in stride for our early career teachers, we are building that resilience. And part of that comes from chill mode, right? Um, the same sort of things that Esso talks about, finding a way to have restorative practices, to take time for yourself, to kind of break the cultural expectation of go, being go, go. busy, go, yeah. go, go. Like, um, I, I think you say something in the episode about like the badge of honor that that yeah. brings. And I feel like that is nowhere more true than in a school system where there yeah. are, there's not always great examples of, of having balance because the work is so important. Um, there's always something to be done. Yeah. So it's, it's very easy to fall into the, well, there's still something to be done. I should still be working. Right. But it's people work. And, and so yeah. we need, we need people who are whole and happy and healthy in order to do that work. And I just think Esso does a great job reminding us to honor humanity. And um, as we're all kind of thinking about like the shifting workforce and and what hybrid, virtual, remote, in-person looks like, making sure that we're making time for that, I think is really important. Um, sidebar. It's yes. also just a fun episode. It like, is. There's He's a lot fun. of Yeah, there's a lot of you know, serious advice around the importance of, of the chill mode, but there's like a great sidebar about plants and oh, I, yes. Cause he's a plant dad, you know, I'm very uh, plant zaddy. Oh, a zaddy. I did. I have to get it right. Yeah. Um, and I also picked up being a plant mama during the pandemic and I have, love it. have some plants that I love. And, uh, yeah, so I just, it's a fun episode and, you know, Memphis chose him and he's choosing Memphis and, and I love that. I love his introspection, like you said, like taking the moment to say, this isn't working for me. This grind culture isn't working for me. It's not serving me. I feel like you always say that you um, played those games and won zero prizes. Absolutely. And <laughs> that's kind of like the, the vibe I got from him is like, listen, like I played those games and I got nowhere. I won no prizes doing it. So I'm going to, I'm going to rewrite the script on what it means to, to do me and set those necessary boundaries. And so at the end of the year, and as you go into a new year, I think it's super important 
I'm glad that you chose this one to make sure all of our listeners remind themselves that they have the ability and know how to set those boundaries for themselves and take a minute to chill. Um, I think it's always a good reminder, but especially this time of year, like you said. Yep. You don't have to earn the rest. It is yours for the taking. Find a moment today to just bask in what's happening um, and, and take a little space for yourself. Love it. So this is Aaron Wendell's pick for our favorite things of 2022. And this is S.O. Tolson's uh, replay from, it also includes his 2021 TED Talk. Y'all, that TED Talk was picked up globally. Also, his TEDx Memphis Talk from 2021 has like over 54,000 views. And I just saw his Instagram just capped 100,000 followers a few weeks ago. Like, he's killing it. He is. So his TED Talk in 2021 was titled Less Grind, More Chill. And this is S.O. Tolson's episode that originally aired in April 2022. Here we go. Guys, I am so excited today. You have no idea. We are here with S.O. Tolson, the one and only. Welcome, sir. The crowd goes wild. <laughs> it's it, it's so great to be here. Thank you. I, I feel like everyone always hears me say I get excited on this show because I do. I love talking to Memphians and hearing the stories of what people are getting to do. But you are someone that I got to work with over TEDx the last year. Mm-hmm. And just I knew of your work, but I didn't know you that well. Yeah. And just like getting to learn about you and how your process of your talk and helping with your slides. I was just oh. like, I will never be that cool. <laughs> like ever. Oh. Yeah, I didn't have to know it to know that. I, I didn't have to know you personally to already know you that about it. myself. I already had checked that box for myself. So fun fact, it doesn't take a lot for me to blush. So like... <laughs> Speechless, ah, but thank you. <laughs> I mean, but it's true. You do so many amazing, awesome things for to represent Memphis, but you mm-hmm. represent your your career has kind of taken off, I feel like, and you have such amazing repertoire of work that I've seen and I'm amazed by it every time. Ah. So let's just, let's like, let's level set for okay. the people listening who don't okay. know all of these things. Okay. We have so much ground to cover with you, but... Tell the people who you are and kind of how did you become the SO that's sitting here in front of me today? Ooh, now that's a question. It's not a loaded question at all. Um, (laughs) You know, I've, um, so, you know, I'm an artist at heart, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and also in life and career and all of that. And it's something that I always knew I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And so I have, you know, been very intentional about creating a life to be an artist, yeah. you know, even from, you know, being a kid, you know. So um, it's been a lot of work, but um, definitely something that was very intentional. Like, I didn't just fall into being right. an artist. Like, it was something <laughs> didn't I Didn't just happen. Yeah, it didn't just happen. Um, yeah, so that. I love that. I think that's something. I love that you said it was hard because so often I don't. Did you go to art school? I did. Okay. Yes, at, at Memphis College of Art. I think people think we just magically wake up and are creative. And and I think the, so like for a, a city like Memphis that's mm-hmm. really blue collar, that's really like getting our hands dirty and like yep. making things happen that way. Um, art is very cerebral. It's very, um, like, concept-heavy, the ideation and all of that, and that takes a toll. Like, it's not the physical, you know, work in the sense, but it's, like, it's very mental, Mm -hmm. and that's just as draining. And actually physical, you know, as well. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of work. It's taxing work. Like, it is um, just work that... 
I, I get not everyone understands mm-hmm. what goes into it, but it's. I just love to hear when people are honest about how hard it actually is. It's not like, oh, I just wake up and I'm amazing. Well, also, too, as a, doing it as a profession and a career is totally different. Correct. Whereas, so I was a journalism major. I used to write because I loved it. Mm-hmm. But doing it as a career made me not love it so much. Amen. It's different. <laughs> and, and I think, so, um, much like you, like, I, I started um, in design, mm-hmm. you know. And so, um, actually, funny story how I got into design. Um, as, um, I love story time. <laughs> yeah, you know, so you know those aptitude tests in high school. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh well, you'll be great as a lawyer or this <laughs> yeah. thing. And you know, I took it, and um, it was something in a creative field. But I was looking for artist in the book, um, but I didn't see it. There was no like salary. There was no budget. There was no like mm-hmm. nothing for artists. And then I saw this thing called graphic design, and I was like, and it had like a salary. Well, next the one to place it. you can make some money. And I was yes. like, you know what? Let's go that route. Yeah. You know. And so that's how I got into design. Oh, that cracks me up because that is exactly how I also got really? into design, design because I was a double major, so I have a BFA okay. in design and a BA in art history. Okay, and I was like. My, I, I'm a first-gen college student. Mm-hmm. When my parents heard I was going to change my major from pre-vet to art, they about died. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I have to at least do something in the arts that can make me money. Mm-hmm. And the one way I knew I could make money was through design. Yep. And it's just kind of flowed into that. So you have proven yourself a success, though. You have, like, you know, take, take the bow. Yes, take <laughs> the bow. <laughs> the booming art career. And you, I feel like, could truly pick up and move wherever you wanted, but you choose to stay here. Why is that? Um, so another story. Um, you know I'm here for it. <laughs> when So originally from uh, East St. Louis, and I went to community college, mm-hmm. and it just so happened it was like the first nationally accredited like okay. community college for, you know, art. Okay, awesome. Um, I looked up on that one. Oh, no. um, <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> Um, I was continuing education, mm-hmm. and so there were, like, some reps from a lot of different colleges coming. Mm-hmm. And one of them was uh, a rep from Memphis College of Art. And um, they pursued me, you know. Um, they saw the talent. Yeah, they saw it, you know. And it just comes out of your pores. You <laughs> can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> but but they weren't the only one. Yeah. Um, there was actually uh, one from Cleveland, the Cleveland Institute of mm, Art. Nice. And um, they actually had a better program. Uh-huh. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no but, matter. You know, but the thing that, like, made the decision for me was mm-hmm. my transcript, you know, they were looking at everything and Cleveland came back and was like, oh, well, we see that you have all these things, but it didn't quite go with our thing. And so you have to come in as a sophomore oh. and redo this and yeah. that. And I was like, no. mm, that's a no from me. <laughs> yeah, it's a no for me. Um, and so literally that's how I ended up in Memphis. Well, props to Cleveland School of Art for yeah. not having it together. <laughs> Dropping the ball. <laughs> they really did. I mean, they yeah. really did. They fumbled the bag and we caught it. It's yeah. Fine. I like it. You know, and so um, when I got here, you know, I I didn't know there was as much culture, mm-hmm. that there was as much vibrancy, as much, you know, energy and history, um, except for, you know, what they, you know, promote what's Absolutely, on the surface. Absolutely, yeah. And so I was able to, like, find a community, you know, um, and have a great support system. You know, and I think any place you go to, like, 
the food could be great, you know, the buildings mm-hmm. and, you know, the nightlife or whatever. But, like, if you don't have, like, people, then it really doesn't matter, you know. And so I was able to find people here in Memphis. That's so powerful because that's kind of what we preach here is that Memphis is nothing without its people. Mm -hmm. Uh, The talented people that live, work, play, thrive, and call this place home is what makes it possible. Absolutely. And to your point, that isn't always what people see when they look at Memphis at a surface level. Mm -hmm. And so Memphis really does have this robust landscape and opportunity for creatives. And it always makes me so sad when the talent flees from here. (sighs) Yeah, and so I think there there are a few reasons Correct. for that. Um, but just, I think, a, a reason or perspective that isn't really acknowledged. I think Memphis is like home of just diamonds, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, the thing that makes a diamond special is the, the rarity of it. And I think there's just so many diamonds around here that we can't really see how special that we actually are. So it's like, you know, um, you starting a career in music, for instance, and then, you know, you hear some, oh, well, you know, my my, uh, uncle used to, you know, have a studio and did background vocals for this, you know, artist that the world knows and loves. (laughs) And, you know, and this other story. And, you know, and so there's all these stories of these people who are doing great things. And Mm so... We see people doing great things, but it's hard to acknowledge it because it's like, well, we've all done, you know, some... Everybody is, uh, like, successful adjacent. <laughs> yeah, like, we've all done great things. And and so, like, when that person from Memphis leaves and they go somewhere else, mm-hmm. it, people can see, oh, look at this diamond. Light, look yeah. at yeah. this. And so... They feel um, that praise a little differently. Yeah, and so I think that is... Uh, a big part of yeah. why those artists, those creatives, that talent leaves because, um, you know, maybe they don't feel like they're as celebrated, you know, here. Yeah. But I think it's because the people that are here are so great. It, it, to your point, I mean, as many people as we've had and interviewed here, like, there are so many amazing, talented people, especially in the creative space. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like that interconnectedness of Memphis, kind of that you spoke to, mm-hmm. is what makes it special. But I can see the antithesis of that from what you just said. So on the flip side of that, what do you think we as a community, as a city, can do better to keep artists and creatives here? Yeah. Um, I think, well, resources, mm, right? Fair. Absolutely. Um, Louder for the people in the back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. We need, we need resources. Um, I think in addition to that, um, so a place like New Orleans, for instance, mm-hmm. it's built into the culture. Like the government like sees the value of art. Okay. And it's a um, an export, mm-hmm. you know, so to speak. Um, I think... Memphis needs some sort of like rallying around the talent that um, the talent here can really be supported through whether it's busking, you know, on the streets or, you know, having um, grant or some kind of funding Mm -hmm. or even an infrastructure for because I don't think that we have infrastructure for art. Um, and so I think those things need to be in place. And I think that will like the retention that Mm -hmm. the city really needs for the creatives. Like, I think that will help foster that. I'm also going to shout out to our friend Megan Eccles and her husband um, for Richie the artist. I know to, yeah. to support living artists. Like, give yeah. them the praise, y'all. Like, 
you can, so do it. And then they'll know that we know and love them and celebrate them here in Memphis. And mm-hmm. perhaps that will make them more inclined to stay here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to your point, I think we rally so hard around entrepreneurs in the sense of starting businesses. Mm-hmm. And to me, artists are entrepreneurs. I, absolutely. And I feel like they need to be rallied around the same way in a little bit of a different way. So the same mm-hmm. way we provide storefronts for people starting businesses, why are there not curated spaces being yep. provided to artists at discounted prices or for free, hopefully, yeah. like as they yeah. start? You know, in that grant money, that funding, we have our amazing friends like Victoria and them at Tone, like they're doing great work in the city, but they can't shoulder the burden all alone. They're not going to be able to, they make great change possible, but they need help. They need support. Yep. They shouldn't have to either. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Like it is, it is on Memphis as a whole. We shoulder the responsibility of why our creatives feel the need to leave. Now, when people leave Memphis, are they still shining a light because their talent was brought from Memphis? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But how much better would we be if you guys could just stay? You know, like, unfortunately, Memphis Memphis could be a headquarters. Correct. Right? But it settles for being training ground. There you go. Ooh, that was okay. Real good. Let that marinate, listeners. Let that marinate for like, a minute. It like you know the the phrase like if you can make it in Memphis, you know you can make, make it, it anywhere. anywhere. Yeah, and that's what happens. The but people... let's let's have them make it here. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> why, why does it have to be anywhere? <laughs> it can be here. It can be here. You know, but like that's the like that's the thing. Yeah, like people go through the training grounds of like creativity or even the entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. like how, you know, to hone these skills and talents and, you know, even in the business and then, and then they leave. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I'm not always like, no, don't leave because I also left where I was from to come to a place like Memphis. So I understand. Sometimes you you have to go to grow. If you've been here your whole life, like leave, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But even with that, I think, Memphis is a place where you can create a home and you can also travel, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, if you need to do, like, a three-month stint in L.A. or across, you know, the pond or wherever, like, you can still have Memphis to be the base so you can bring that back here so we can have, you know, those celebs or those other great people, you know, to the B station here. And, like, isn't Memphis as, you know, worthy of having that kind of talent here? I think so. Yes. I fully think so. You know, so, yeah. I just, I'm going to get, I'm trying to amp myself down. I also had coffee this morning, so it's not helping. <laughs> the fact that like, you sh- would have been enough, but now I'm like freaking out. Um, so Christy's fangirling I am very here. fangirling very much. So I just like to talk to artists and I'm going to get to do it too much like through this. So I'm so excited to bring you on and hopefully we'll continue to do yes, this. Yes, yes. Um, I think you are kind of hearing your story and knowing what I know about you, like as a young creative and how you made decisions. What would your advice be to like younger creatives that are kind of, you know, wanting to chase the dream, Mm -hmm. but they're scared? Oh, you can't be afraid to be scared. Um, That's a part of it. Mm -hmm. Like, so I, I knew at a young age. That I wanted to be an artist. In fact, I was 10. It was a, always a passion for yeah, you. Yeah, it was always, okay. always. And I was fortunate enough to have um, parents and just people in my life that encouraged that. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and early on, I saw the connection between, like, art and, um, I don't know, money or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was this um, 
contest that was in the paper back home, and it was like a coloring contest. So You're giving like, me small town vibes from my hometown. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it was. I mean, it was. It was this. Um, I want to say turkey contest, uh-huh. and so it was for Thanksgiving, and so you know, you color it, and then you submit mm-hmm. it into the um, the station, and I won. And when you won, you got like a turkey and like some other thing that went with yeah. it. So early on, I equated like doing art really well mm-hmm. and, and results, rece- and and results yeah. of some. And so I was like, oh, okay. So I was literally <laughs> putting food on the table. Okay, I like through it. Through art. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> a turkey for a turkey. You okay, know? Right here. <laughs> so I was able to make that connection early. And so um, with that support, um, I think I you know, got the uh, audacity to be like, I'm going to be an artist. <laughs> yeah. Um, have I seen it? You know, in my family, there were people who were creative and did it more as a mm-hmm. hobby. Um, like my mom, a uh, talented singer. You know, my grandmother, you know, she was so... Okay, so you got a family um, line of creativity. Yeah, it, it's yeah. there. And so I, but I was the first to be the professional mm-hmm. artist. Um and and I think for other young artists that are trying to find their way, one of the things I wanted to always promote is art as a viable career. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't often see it, and we, you know, talk about, you know, the struggling artist or the, Correct. well, let's talk about the struggling um, nine-to-fiver, you know, yeah. or the struggling, like. It just became this sticky stereotype yes. that nobody wants to drop. Everybody struggles. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but I think um, what makes art so unique and special is that um, artists, I think the role of an artist is just to live life, mm-hmm. right? And then take those findings and their perspective of the world and turn that into these pieces that we can digest, whether mm-hmm. that is writing, whether that is designing, whether that is creating music, whether it's, you know, whatever. I think Great. all of those things come from people living life, you know? Mm-hmm. So like Adele, you know, heartbroken, this other <laughs> thing. And she turned that into yeah. something that we can digest. Um, or Alvin Ailey, you know, these... Moments of, you know, whether it's civil rights and mm-hmm. turn that into movement, you know, like I think the role of an artist is to live life. So for the young artist, it's like, hey, live and then find a medium that makes sense to you to mm-hmm. channel that energy into and share that with the world. I very much agree with you. I think art is very much a profession and not just a pastime. Can mm-hmm. it be a pastime? Of course. Yeah, yeah. But it is very much a profession. And art is... Artists are the ultimate storytellers to me mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. everything they do captures a moment in time yeah. in some capacity. They may not be trying to tell a specific story, but that work is happening and is a result of what is happening around yeah. an artist at that point in time. So I think to your point, it's you are doing something spectacular as an artist. So um, do you have any fun projects on the horizon? Ooh, um. Yes. So, <laughs> what if you were just like no in podcast? <laughs> right. No, I don't. Um, Absolutely not. <laughs> no, I, actually, I do. Um, a lot of them are, are, are just in the works uh-huh. right now, but they have to do with um, this thing I created called Chill Mode, um, which was a series of like playlists that I started mm-hmm. at the beginning of quarantine oh, I love in a 2020. Playlist. Yeah, it's um, you know, and, and so I was. 
oh, I, I do that too. Okay, hold on. Let me go back. <laughs> um, I got into doing events mm-hmm. in Memphis um, for the creative community. And, you know, I, co- the pandemic hit, and so I couldn't do that kind of mm-hmm. work. And minor so, snafu. You know, just a <laughs> minor, you know, kind of stopped some things. But I was... Um, I was, you know, paying attention to what was happening, and, you know, the tension was really high, you know, um, stress levels, people were, like, just the unknown, like, mm-hmm. anxiety, everything. And I was like, okay, how can I help in some kind of way? And so I started making these playlists, you know, mm-hmm. that were, you know, kind of chill, but just calming, and I know a way to, a quick way to transform the energy in a room is music. And so, you know, like, what, what, what can I do to make um, people feel a little bit better about being inside? Because everybody was inside. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it started. And so I, you know, named it Chill Mode. And um, I started doing that over, well, actually, in the past couple of years. I, you know, I have like eight volumes of it now. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to be expanding that. Okay. So, like, what does that look like um, as wearable goods? You Ooh. know, what does that look like as, um, well, you know, we're, we're kind of opening up now. So, like, eat small, intimate events. Mm-hmm. What does it look like as a pop-up or whatever? So, really just expanding the idea of chill mode. You're curating like a whole experience around chill mode. Yeah. Okay. Almost like a, a lifestyle brand or something okay. like that. I could see that. You know. Picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. Okay. So um playing around with the idea. Yeah. Right now. So, uh, that's yeah. a very exciting I would be very interested to see how your work translates into that full spectrum of an event. Like, <laughs> I, I, you heard it here first. Yeah. He's not even sure how it's going to turn out. No, I, I, but it feels like a natural flow mm-hmm. into that. So I could see it going well. It's going to be work. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. But um, I'm excited. Yeah, that is very exciting. And I know you also have a piece in the show spectrum with Tone right now. If people yes. want to see your work openly. Yes, yes. Talk about it's it's both and correct. Yeah, it's both and. Yeah, talk. I know you have a big story behind that, and I could say it, but I'm gonna let no, you do it because yes. you are here. So, um, both and has been a concept I've been adopting for the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, um, getting into binary, right, mm-hmm. and just thinking of like it's either this or that. I think one, it's just so limiting, mm-hmm. right. Um, especially if you're given like some really whack options, right. you know, it's like um, for the people who subscribe to either or, I think they don't see the potential for either the world around them or just themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they buy into ideas that might not even been their own. And so I think both and just allows for so many possibilities. And so for the show Spectrum um, at Tone, it was about um, identity mm-hmm. and, you know, just ideas that fall, you know, in the margin. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was an opportunity to, like, talk about that as yeah. well. Um, and, you know, even how I was experimenting with how it looked because usually I do flat color mm-hmm. and so it's more like color theory and, you know, how to keep it fresh. But, you know, I was c- Spectrum, right? Yeah. It's called Spectrum. Did a spectrum of color and just really playing around with how both and can be interpreted. 
Um, but yeah, it, it really just started as this thing that I was just really passionate about, about like, let's get out of this like either or thinking mm-hmm. um, because we are multiple things Absolutely. and things happen simultaneously all the time. You can be happy and upset. You're, you're, you're um, a sibling, um, um, a, a, someone's child, a cousin, a leader, um, you know, whatever. Yeah. We at embody the, multiple assets, like, at, at all times, time. like, facets of personality. It's like, to be either this or that, it's just so, it's like, I'm, I'm so much more than just this idea mm-hmm. or that idea. I'm all of these things, and none of them at yep. the same time, you know? So it's... That's that's really where where that. Comes I love from. that it like speaks to also like this new generational phenomenon that I feel like we're seeing a little bit more as Gen Z enters the workplace, either as entrepreneurs or the traditional workspace. They're not prescribing to a certain like older view. Like norm, uh, yeah. They are the mm-hmm. norm. They're saying I don't want one from column A and one from column B. I want both and. Yes. I want all of the above. Yes. Like, that's what I, that's my expectation of the workforce. That's yes. my expectation of my time and what I'm going to put forth. Absolutely. So there's just a big range of what yeah. that can apply to. I love it. I yep. think this gives us an amazing segue talking about the both and because your TED talk is talking about the grind and the chill. Ooh, yeah, Very much so. <laughs> so I think that just gives us a perfect like way to segue kind of into that. So when you were first approached mm-hmm. about the opportunity, I want to know what went through your head. Uh, I w- One, I was overwhelmed. <laughs> um, You're like, first, Passed out. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what? Me? What? Um, uh, I felt seen. Yeah. Honestly, in a way. Ooh, like, I like, like that word. My perspective? Like, you think I'm, like, worthy enough yeah. to, like, share what I think about the, to where people going to listen? Mm-hmm. Like, if I was so honored, yeah. one. Um, and then I was like, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> like, that was the first yeah. thing. And, um, you know, talked to Nora, you know, who, mm-hmm. and, and she helped um, in that and gave me some ideas. But when, I f- when it was first presented, I was like, like just, whoa. Mm-hmm. And I just really had to take that in. Yeah. You're so, like, I need to sit with this for a second. Yeah. So you didn't, apparently from what you just said, you didn't have your talk. Like, oh, it didn't no. just instantly come to you. How did you no. start to kind Percolate, of get into that yeah. process? Yeah. So um, the process was... Um, a very humbling experience. <laughs> um, so we hear sometimes. It, it, <laughs> it was big for me to learn how I process things. Yeah. Um, and even like going back to you know things as a kid, like um, or being in high school, like writing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to write. This entire thing, like there, there was no script. Right. There's no anything. Like it's all, all of you. it is you. Every you're ounce pouring of yourself it. onto something, and and being the expert uh, yep. on that thing, right? At least your perspective of it. And so um, that was daunting. Just, um, just a smidge. Just, you know, just a little <laughs> bit. It's a tall order. And especially, like, the way Ted requires you present. No, like, cue cards, oh none God. of that. No I mean, you got to be on it. Uh, and so it was, the pressure was on, right? Um, but I think what I learned about myself is I'm, I'm a distiller, mm-hmm. right, of information. Um, and so I had to create the information first and then distill yeah. from there. So 
Um, it brought back some uh, memories, some great, some not so great, yeah. to really inform that experience. So um, in, in the talk, I talk about my um, experience in college mm-hmm. and how it was uh, kind of gruesome. You know, it was heavy, you know, all this work, very labor intensive. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to a point where I was bedridden because I was just so tired. Like, right. there, you know, I wasn't eating, you know, properly, you know, because it's like yeah. snacks. The burnout was real. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's just not sustainable. Yeah. And so I remember saying, I don't ever want to feel like this ever again. And... I had to recall that story. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's something that happened to me, and and it informed. Then you like feel it all over again, and, and to feel it yeah. all over again, it was it was it was it was wild. Um, but I had to have that as part of the reason why mm-hmm. chilling was so important to me, and how I adopt. Like I didn't even know that that was why I adopted chill so much. Yeah. Um, and so it was, you know, recanting these sto- these stories. It was. Being honest, it was being vulnerable. Um, you know, when I looked at some other videos um, just to kind of help guide yeah. me, um, I didn't want to be, you know, the preachy, preachy, like, yeah, yeah, do this, and you shouldn't do this, and this is why, and and to come off as, like, the know-it-all. Mm-hmm. And you I got did, it all figured out. Yeah, like, I got it all figured out, Because he's like, I do not. <laughs> I know. Um, and so it was... Um, a, a balancing act of like how much of like my talk is going to be stats, mm-hmm. you know, like just talking about, you know, twenty four percent of America is doing this, and we should all. I love that we both put on the same voice when we talk about statistics because <laughs> that's the voice. Yes. You no, know, that's the voice. Um, and and my talk went through so many different stages. Like mm-hmm. when um, I you know had that story. Um, to come back to mind, I was like, yeah, and this is why grind culture is so terrible mm-hmm. because it has you to do this. Da, da, da. And I told a friend of mine, it was like, okay, that's great. Yeah. That's a little heavy, but that's good. Um, your talk is about chill. You're doing all these like things about, oh, it's just so much work and this yeah. and this and that and that. And I was like, oh, it is about chilling. Huh? I should probably talk about talk about chilling just a little that. bit. Like, you know, and so I had, the title. To, <laughs> like, I had to like redo that. Like yeah. it, I, it went through so many different stages. But ultimately, I, it, it came down to me just sharing my story, mm-hmm. being very vulnerable, connecting with the people that were going to be in front of me or who were going to be listening. Absolutely. And um, yeah, just laying it all out there. Yeah, it's amazing to me the iterations that the talks go through. For those listening, um, obviously New Memphis puts on the TEDx conference here in the city. Our next one will be in February of next year. But Nora and Kayla are events are the events masters on this team and they really work with our TED speakers. You guys come to me once your talk is more well-baked mm-hmm, and we, I build mm-hmm. the slides and stuff. But the different iterations, I get to see the magic as it happens yeah. before you get to me to the step in the process. Yeah. And it's just very incredible how everyone is so different and how we get to that end result. So I think we got to stop teasing the people at this point and just launch into it. So guys, here is S.O. Tolson's 2021 TEDx Memphis talk. Let's grind more chill. Before it gets started, by a show of hands, how many people are good workers? 
Okay. It's, it's good. It's good. All right. Now, by a show of hands, how many people are good resters? Okay. Okay. Well, so if you weren't able to raise your hand for the second question, that's fine. We're not really taught how to rest, or in this case, how to chill. And that's really because we live in the world of the grind. The grind, right? The grind's everywhere. It's in movies, it's in television. We even make songs about the grind. And it's ingrained into us early. We ask kids, what do you want to do when you grow up, right? But what we're really asking is, what kind of job do you want to have for the rest of your life? We're asking five-year-olds this. So we know about the grind, and there's some virtue in the grind, right? But there's some downsides to what we know as grind culture that I want to highlight. And so, one, the grind is not sustainable, all right? You can have a dedicated amount of time to the grind to get things done, right? But the nature of the grind is that the pace of it is steady, but it's never ending. So if you don't stop the grind, it's just going to keep going until it just tires you out. So it's not sustainable. Secondly, it shuns any form of rest. Grind culture champions the idea of, I'll sleep when I die, and wears it as a badge of honor. But that's not really good. And it wears on us over time. And so the idea that we sleep when we die as a concept is just a toxic idea of how hindering yourself with the rest is the thing that happens when you rest, right? So it doesn't really support that idea. And third, it doesn't honor humanity. The grind does not care if you're sick. The grind does not care if you're feeling bad today. And it doesn't care if you had some family issue. The grind wants you to work. The grind wants you to produce, as if you're a machine, right? But we're not machines. But even machines need to unplug. So with those three things combined, it can have us to feel like we don't have any ownership of our time, let alone of our entire life. And when we feel like that, that's the perfect recipe for the thing, the thing to happen, right? Now, you probably wonder what the thing is. Well, the thing happened to me. I was in college, I think it was junior year, and I had a full schedule. Classes were intense, and every professor I had acted as if their class was the only class that I had. I don't know why they do that. But I was up for the challenge, and I knew that the grind that I had was going to serve me in that situation. So I did good for like two weeks. And then something about those classes got even more challenging. It got even more demanding. And I knew what I had to do then. I had to turn the grind all the way up. And I had to put the chill all the way down. And I was able to sustain that over a certain amount of time. But eventually, those long nights, those early mornings, 
not resting, not eating properly, caught up with me, and that's when the thing happened. I remember, I woke up one morning, I could barely sit up, my face was broken out, my mouth was dry, I had a throbbing headache, and all I could do was just lay in bed. The thing caught up with me, and that thing was burnout. Anybody experience burnout? That's a lot of hands. So, burnout is a part of grind culture, unfortunately. And when you're burnt out, you're not really good for anyone. You're not really present for anyone, let alone yourself. And so, I was in that bed, and all I could do was sleep. And that's when I realized that when I turned that grind all the way up, I had no space for chill, no space for me. And so that's when I realized that something had to change. 23% of the working force experiences burnout all the time, or at least very often, while 44% feel burnout every now and then, meaning that over two-thirds of the working force are burnt out right now. And like I said, when you're burnt out, you're not good for anyone, not even yourself. So when I was in that bed, I knew something had to change. I needed to have less grind, and I needed some more chill. But the question came, how can I put more chill into my life? I don't know what that looked like. I wasn't really taught that. But I had to figure out something, because I had the rest of the semester to finish. So I think that was the good thing, if we can see a silver lining, that I've, this happened in college before I got into the workforce. So I had some time to pivot and make some things work for myself. What I found was that doing these things helped me to have some control over myself and my time, which was very important. And that's what got me through the rest of that semester and the rest of my academic career, and then for the rest of my life. I want to share a few things, or four specific things, that helped me add more chill to my life. The first thing, you have to prioritize the chill. If you're like me, if you don't put it on the calendar, it doesn't happen, right? So it has to be that important your meetings, your lunch dates, and chilling. Put it on the calendar. That way it'll happen, all right? So one, prioritize the chill. Secondly, you have to dedicate a space for the chill. A lot of times we don't chill because we feel like we don't have space for it. Sometimes all we got is the car, right? Now the car is a great place to chill. You know, before you go in the house or go to work or wherever, that is a great place. And sometimes that's all we have, but that's okay. It's about having a place that is sacred for that. And everybody doesn't get to come in that space. You know, not, not your children, not your spouse, not even your mama. That space is just for you. So dedicate space for the chill. Then three, actually chill. 
Don't look on your phone. Don't scroll. Don't try to check emails. Don't try to be productive. Literally do nothing. Chill. That's time just for you. And it's hard to do that because we're not taught how to just stop and do nothing. But this can start a pattern of being okay with doing nothing, which gets me to my last point, which is point four. Have guilt-free chill. Don't feel guilty about chilling or taking a break or stopping. I think we feel that way because we have been taught that we have to be productive and that we have to work and we have to work hard and that's where our value is. And so when we don't work, we feel less valuable. Sometimes we don't even feel worthy. And so we have to learn how to undo that type of thinking so we can actually have really good moments to just chill. Ironically, because we're not taught that, it affects us in a lot of different ways. And we look at resting as a very lofty thing, something that you only get when you work hard enough, as if we have to earn chilling. But you don't. And it's not a lofty thing. You can take a three-week vacation in the Bahamas, or you can just take 15 minutes in the car. The point is to have space that is just for you, a place to just stop, something that is just yours and your time. And so chilling helps us to not only reclaim our time, but to reclaim ourselves. The grind is going to be there. Work is going to be there. It's going to be there. It's okay. But this is about having time for you. So carve time for you. Prioritize the time. Make space for the chill. And then actually chill. And then don't feel bad about it. Because that time is just for you. Thank you. All right, guys, welcome back again. If you are just now joining us, you are listening to Meanwhile in Memphis on WYXR. We are here with S.O. Tolson, and we just heard his 2021 TED Talk, Less Grind, More Chill. And I'm about to ask all of the questions because me and A.T. are just like <laughs> chomping at the bit. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I mean, I got to I gotta say it. You're brave, yeah. not only for doing TED, Ooh. but also because you gave this TED Talk in Memphis mm-hmm. where our motto is grit and grind. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you, you came for it. You came yeah. for it in this talk. So that is brave, my friend. Tried to fight the grind. <laughs> I know. And it was something I thought about. I was yeah. like, okay, so how am I going to do this talk in Memphis? And not have people come for you. Uh, right. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think people really resonated with that idea. Um, I, I think, think it showed a mirror. Too. It, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, mean, I know. We love a self-realization I know. moment. <laughs> I think everybody in the audience is like, uh-oh, yeah. he's right. Yeah, it was, I, well, one thank you to the bravery. I, it was, uh, I, I had to just lay it out there, you know, mm-hmm. because it was my truth. And so, gotta um, be said, gotta be said, yep. I, I had to share my truth. Yeah. And, and and I'm not saying because the biggest thing because I have had some um, some feedback you know yeah. from from people um, that were just like totally against the idea mm-hmm. right 
And so, so along with that, I did a um, a tweet that that went viral, talking about you know how we need to like rest and we don't have to earn rest and how we can just be and that's okay. And there was so many people that were against the idea. Like it's like, well, how are you going to survive? And I was like, wait a minute. Or it was like, how are you going to, you know, pay bills? Well, good luck with that. You know, you're going to be on the street or like something. Like it was like the extreme of that. I'm like, no, I'm not saying not work. I'm not saying crawl in a hole and do nothing. I'm I'm not saying that. And so that's, but that's how we view rest. We look at it as laziness. Yeah. It's the same way that we just talked about the artist stereotypes. Yes. Like they're stereotypes, but that doesn't mean they're accurate. Right, right. Like, and chill is taboo in our day and age. Mm-hmm. You got to go, go, go. And I'm like, we we can't do that. Like, like it's it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And um, to do that talk in Memphis, you know, I had to just, you know, had to just, you know, plant my my feet <laughs> down and just and just give, Prepare you know, my, my story. Yeah. Um, and but. It was also, on the other side, very well received. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, the conversations about it, you know, people were just, like, sharing it, you know, like like, like crazy. And um, that was those moments or those people are the ones that I was like, yes. This is who this was for, yeah. Yes. I mean, it has over 50,000 views. Well, yeah. and Global Ted yeah. actually picked Esso's talk up for those of they you listening. Did. Um, I was like, Because, well, we were very, we were like, why is Esso's taking so long to get approved? Like, there was nothing. And then I was like, oh, because Global Ted wants it. That's why. Uh, yeah, like the, everybody was like, give me that, pretty much. Yeah, wow. But yours was so powerful because you start your talk by talking about how we're not taught to chill in any regard. Like, as low as, like, five. The first thing people are asking, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be? And it's like, so you're instantly having to think about it. I'm like, honestly, as 18, 17-year-old graduating college, I shouldn't, like going into college, I shouldn't have been deciding what I was going to do for the rest of my life. For the rest of my life. You know, there should be a different step. So I'm curious, you know, about those things because it is nuts. I think we all agree. How has that moment, like that realization impacted your life of kind of like, I don't have to have it all figured out. I can take a minute to quote unquote chill. Yeah. Um, I think um, it it just took the pressure off mm. of having everything together. You know, I think um, when we believe we have to have everything together, there is no room to learn. The perfectionist in me is cringing. Yeah. Like, I mean, also in me, because I I started off as a perfectionist, Uh right? Um, But you have to, there's no room to grow. Yeah. The cracks let the light in, and you learn that as you go, but you still don't want the cracks if you can't prevent it. I mean, I got to say, though, y'all are sitting here talking about being perfectionist. I, th- I don't know that I am a perfectionist, and I still this still hit me hit so you, hard yeah. because it's a badge of honor to be busy. Correct. Yeah. And it's not seen, it's not received well in any sector mm-hmm. to not be busy. To yeah. be like, I'm actually completely well-rested. And so, I mean, no, but I've gotten feedback in the past at various jobs that, like, my work-life balance was maybe too skewed. Mm -hmm. That, like, working to live and living to work, that I I had it backwards. Mm. When I thought I had it the right way, and society is telling me, no, you actually have it wrong. Yeah. You need to be chained to your desk 24-7 and produce, produce, produce. And so... 
I love, I think that's why it is so important and why the higher ups at TED really did see that it is important for not only the perfectionists out there, but the non Thank you for looking dead in my face. <laughs> I know. But the non perfectionists out there too, like me, who is, I'm like, I feel like I'm a pretty chill person, yeah. but mm-hmm. like, I continue to run into these hurdles. Yeah. Yeah. The same as everybody else. <laughs> it's, it, it just relieves some of the pressure. I think. Yeah. Of like having it all together, and especially as a kid, like you, you know, you gotta know what you want to do, and it's like, no, I don't actually. Yeah. Um, now I didn't know I wanted to be an artist at ten. Yeah, like yes, granted, <laughs> but that was because of my own like self discovery. Right. It wasn't because somebody was pressuring me to have Absolutely. things together. Um, but even you know beyond that, um, I know that moments to ourselves just helps us to connect to ourselves um, because all these distractions that, you know, take our energy away, that take our, you know, mind away and, you know, just things away from us, like piecing, you know, or taking pieces of ourselves away, having time to just chill and having moments for ourselves just helps us to, right, reconnect, you Mm -hmm. know, so we can feel whole, so we can feel connected to ourselves. And it, you have to actively do that in this society. Um, and not feel guilty about it. And not feel guilty. That's the that's the biggest. I mean, part. I say that to myself. I mean, that's the thing too. It's yeah. like, like I just said, even if I, even when I was taking rest for myself, even when I was chilling, mm-hmm. there was immense guilt yeah. because yeah. like everyone be around me is yeah. telling me I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. So I'm like, I am doing it wrong then. Yeah. But you you probably weren't. You probably no, weren't. but I mean, but there, you know what I mean. Like there is there is a thing is too much rest, guys. Like again, you you do have to work to like live. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like again. Yeah. But at the same time, it is. It's just an interesting societal pressure. Yeah, it's that balance that is not so easily found. Mm-hmm. And I think we all are around the same age ish, and so I feel like. And you spoke to this in your talk, and I really want to get into it about the thing, which is burnout. Oh, yeah. And as someone who Don't look at me too hard, AT. Um, I am a perfectionist, and I just, I go, go, go. It's like my mother was a big worker, and so Mm -hmm. I just learned that growing up. Like, I work. I pour myself into my work. I might tie it a little too closely to my actual life. But I hit a point fairly recently Mm. where I, like, kind of came off. We've been in a pandemic now for three years, Mm -hmm. and I just hit a wall where I was like, oh, I can't do this anymore like work has become my entire entity I don't know who Christy is anymore yeah and listen re-listening to your talk I mean I was there I heard it the first time I was in the audience when everybody raised their hands and I was like yes everyone's burnt out um I was just like you know so knows and so when you hit that moment of burnout which you talk about kind of in a big way and coming Mm. out of it like how was it going back to that how do you still utilize some of those coping mechanisms today um i think i had to well once i recognized that this was burnout Mm -hmm. and the things that led up to that i could I think I was just more in tune with yeah. things that would get me to burn out mm-hmm. and making sure that I didn't allow that to happen. So, like, even, you know, when you're working and it's like, okay, this is a, a really full week or a full couple of weeks, you know, and you got your head down, you're just, like, working, cranking it out. Mm-hmm. Um, inserting moments 
of chill into that so you just won't crash or you just won't because the grind again is it's not sustainable and it's a dick dang oh yeah it is i think that's the thing we people forget sometimes is like you get addicted to the like oh the more i work the more i get here and it's the climbing of the steps and then you're like oh i'm exhausted and then the praise around (laughs) it like like because you're talking about the badge of honor and it's like yeah so the more you work the more that you know so the dopamine right you got your friends and you got all these other people was like yeah work 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 we're all tired though we're all all sleepy I'm a shell of a person but I'm at the top but I'm at the top or wherever I am yeah or not at the top but I still keep going (laughs) you know there's um, there's all of that and so there nobody is praising you for resting yeah and we should nobody is like good job you took a nap kudos Mm -hmm. on that work life balance (laughs) AT's point I was about to say I mean Unless you're a small child. I have a small child, and I'm like, I praise her for taking a nap. So, like, when did when did we phase out of that? That's what I want to know. That's a good question. Like, when would that did that, like, become yeah. taboo to, like, I mean, midday naps, siestas in other cultures. Yes. I mean, come on. So, midday naps should I'm be praised. I'm taking midday naps right now, <laughs> and mean, it is life. It's, it's life-changing. <laughs> I mean, come on now. Yeah. I'm, I am here for it. I just am sitting here like I could use a nap currently. <laughs> How can our listeners um, engage with you, support you, get to, you know, follow along with you? Yeah. Buy your work. Buy your merch. Yes. You know. Um, so, yes, um, you can follow me, uh, Cool Urban Hippie. Um, or you can just, you know, go to my website uh, at sotolson.com. And, uh, yeah, um, or you could just, you know, Google me and find And find uh, the plethora of wonderful articles about how lucky Memphis is to have this wonderful talent Mm. and his small little partnership (laughs) with Coca-Cola you might have seen. And I hope you guys popped his uh, release with Choose 901 because I know I got the purple and yellow one and I was very excited about that. Because if you didn't, hate to break it to you. Yeah. You missed your chance. They released it twice because it was so popular. And you missed it, Memphis. So, So, gosh, so this was amazing. It was the perfect start to my morning. Um, I always nerd out a little bit when I get to talk to fellow creatives, but mm. especially you. You just have like this bright light about you that I just am so happy. And again, we're happy to have you here. That. So, um, guys, we will see you next week. But thank you so much, Essa. See you next time. Thank you. Bye. Welcome back, dear listener. You just heard Aaron Wendell's favorite episode, one of them, of 2022, S.O. Tolson's. Um, you have any parting words for our listener, Aaron? Truly, my only words are go back and keep listening to S.O.'s words, right? It's not about me. It's a, it's about what he has to say and, and learning from him and and just accepting that we can take that time. Um, and again, follow him at Cool Urban Hippie if you want some continued inspiration. I was about to say, he's always dropping great inspirational quotes that I find myself hitting that save button mm-hmm. all the time. I'm like, I'm going to need to revisit this and like continue to let it wash over me. Yeah. And so I just think, take that, take that with you into the holiday season. Take Esso's words. Um, it might be chilly outside, but, um, but you should find some chill mode. Naps are good. Naps are good. You know, closing the door, taking a moment for yourself, putting in your ear pods, whatever it looks like this holiday season. Go for a walk, do whatever it takes. Um, And I would also be remiss if I did not remind you, dear listener, that New Memphis is a local nonprofit and we are powered by your generosity. So um, I would implore you to please go over to newmemphis.org at the big red donate button and check out all of... 
Um, you can drop us some little do re mi there. So I'm kind of <laughs> playing into our, our favorite things, but, um, you can also find out about all of our programs over at newmemphis.org. And so until next week, thank you, Erin. Bye y'all. Bye. This week's episode is made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.